Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are ready for another exciting time in the word. And we're going to continue where I left off with our last study, looking at various ways in the scripture that people were made whole. And I want to turn in the Bible to Proverbs chapter four, and we're going to read verses 20 through 22. Now, before we do that, I'll have a brief review of some of what we talked about in the last study. Then we'll have a word of prayer. We told you last time that one of the ways that people in Scripture were healed was simply by standing on God's word. Maybe they read something and then they believed it and they trusted God. We told you also that the laying on of hands was one of the methods in the scripture that Jesus' disciples used. And then, of course, we told you about anointing with oil and prayer. We gave you scripture for all of these. We told you in Mark 6, verse 13, that Jesus' disciples anointed people with oil. We even told you about intercession, standing in the gap for someone who is not present And that's what happened with the mother who approached Jesus, who had the daughter that was vexed with a devil in Mark chapter seven. Now, this lesson here, we're going to look at a number of other ones. But let me read verses 20 through 22, and then we'll pray. My son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, for the next few moments as we look into the scriptures, we want you to speak to all of our hearts, encourage us, help us to see that you're a sovereign God, an almighty God, that there never has been a circumstance or problem or illness that is greater or bigger than you. You said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, rescued, redeemed. So, Lord, at this time, as the word of the Lord is taught, we pray that those that hear it would receive. And we ask you to stretch forth your hands and bless the hearing of the word in Jesus name. Amen. 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 This world is always going to have poor people in it, because Jesus said the poor will always be here. Now, we are to preach the gospel to the poor, and the Lord does what he can to change their circumstances by changing their mind. If you can change a person's mind, you can change their behavior. If you can change someone's behavior, you typically will be able to affect their circumstances. Because of the presence of sin, on account of Adam and Eve's transgression, we will always have in this world infirmity, sickness, and disease. Despite that, we do need to know that we also will always have available to us the power of God. There will never be a time on this planet where God will not be present with his people. And as Christians, we have a covenant. 
So there are several methods in Scripture that we need to touch on that we think are important. And the first one comes out of Proverbs chapter number four, as we read. And I want you to see that just by hearing the word of God can have a powerful effect upon a person's physical health. You say, why is that? Well, let's notice verse 22. Verse 22 says, they are life. Now, what is they? Talking about God's words mentioned in verse 20. And he said also, they are health. I've never met anybody who didn't want to be healthy. I haven't met anyone who did not want more of God's life in their body. In fact, when we have a cold or a fever or a flu or some kind of illness in our body, that is a form of attack on the physical body. And in some cases, it's a form of death. So the only way then for death to be overcome, there has to be a life that attacks it. That's why you have an immune system. God knew exactly what he was doing when he created the human body. There's enough life in certain cells to attack certain invading bodies that come into this physical corpse that the Lord himself can bring health to it. Now, according to the scripture here, notice it says again, they are life and they are health. But he tells us in verse 22, we have to attend to the words. But long before you even do that, you need to know in verse 21, it says, don't let them depart from your eyes. So here we are. I want you to hear what God's word says. And then I want you to make sure that you hold on to them. It's possible to listen to God's word and never allow that word to change your life. This is the time of the year when everybody or many people are planting gardens. And everyone who plants a garden knows you have to have good soil. If you don't have the right conditions in the soil, it doesn't matter what seed you put in the ground. Our hearts have to be prepared for God's word. Anybody can teach on salvation, but when you scatter the seed of salvation and minister to a lot of different people, some people's hearts aren't even prepared. There are people who will sit there and listen to the teaching of salvation and be totally opposed to who Jesus is. So do you think that seed is going to bring forth fruit in that life? No. A person has to believe that that Savior is able to deal with all of their sins. So sitting under the word of God is able to bring blessing to someone. There is the testimony in Acts chapter 14, verse number seven. And I think it bears reading here because this is an appropriate place to look at it. Acts chapter 14, notice verse number seven. This is one of my favorite verses in the book of Acts. It's one that I put often on my cards and on signs of the churches. It says, and there they preached the gospel. We need to know what the good news is. Luke told us that Jesus came into the synagogue in chapter four, and he started reading verses 16, 17, 18, coming all the way down. And he read a verse from Isaiah and he explained to us to whom the gospel is to be preached and what is supposed to occur. But we know that the good news, the glad tidings, all of this has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Somehow Paul was preaching the story of Jesus and his life and career and what he accomplished. And there in verse eight was a man listening. And you can see he was crippled from his mother's womb. He never had walked in his life. Verse nine, he heard Paul speak and Paul looking at him saw that he had faith. Where did the faith come from? It sprung up in his heart as the seed was implanted and bore fruit. Now, unlike natural seed that goes into the ground in late spring or early spring and doesn't bring up harvest until late summer or so, this seed regarding salvation can go to work in your life inside of a few minutes and bring forth a harvest. A person can be saved just like that. In a moment, a life can be changed. Well, as you can see in verse in uh, verse eight, excuse me, verse nine. It says he had faith also to be healed. So the same thing can happen with respect to someone believing that Jesus is a healer. In verse 10, Paul said, stand on your feet. He jumped up and walked. It was a miracle because of what he heard. Paul had to say something regarding healing and Jesus ability to heal in order for him to have faith to be healed. But let's not forget in Acts chapter eight that Philip he went and talked to an Ethiopian and they were sitting in a chariot and the man asked Philip, he said, what hinders me from being baptized? Well, quite, quite obviously, Philip had to tell the man something about baptism in water if the man was interested in being baptized in water. So when we neglect to teach this to our people, then our people don't have the opportunity to build faith or receive faith or to have faith to believe that God can cause them to recover. And that's all we're after. It's the same thing with ministering salvation. So back in Proverbs 4, again, you can see uh, the words of the Lord are life and their health simultaneously, their life and their health. So sometimes just sitting under the word of God can can do that. I, I heard a story on one occasion of a gentleman that had had leprosy, which, you know, is a pretty, pretty bad disease. And leprosy is one of those deals that starts eating away at your bones and everything else. And your, your, your fingers can kind of disappear. Your, your ears can kind of become elongated or sometimes just disappear altogether. But there was a gentleman who started going to Bethel Temple out in Manila, Philippines. And this man had leprosy and people were terrified of having him anywhere near them in the sanctuary. But the pastor of the church told the ushers, bring him down to the front row and every week sit him right in front of the pulpit. And this man had gnarled fingers and had uh, withered arms. And when I say withered, I mean one arm was half the size of the other because it was withered. It didn't have the same kind of blood flow. So it, it, it wasn't as thick and, and it wasn't as, as strong and robust. But sitting there listening to a man preach the gospel and every sermon was not about healing. It was just about Jesus and how wonderful he is. This man believed. And because he believed the gospel stories, then all of a sudden he noticed that those elongated ears, those earlobes start, start going up. And then he, he realized that he was looking at his, his fingers and his arms and healing had come to them over a period of about six months. 
Folks, don't tell me that the word of God isn't powerful. It can do what God has sent it to do. And the scripture even says that the word of the Lord will not return void. It will accomplish what the Lord has sent it forth to do. So God's word saves. It saves our souls. It may also save our bodies. So we just simply put our trust in him with regard to that. Another way that that the Lord heals can be sometimes a special act of obedience. There is the story in John chapter 9 where the blind man is told to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. You remember that. And then he washed his eyes and God healed his eyes through that act of obedience. There was the story in Luke chapter 17 where the 10 lepers came to visit Jesus and they, they wanted to be made whole. And Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priests. And as they did, they were healed. So sometimes the Lord in the Gospels told people to do something special. Now, here's what you need to know about that for today. We don't live under the law, so you don't need to go see a preacher and you don't need to go visit a priest at a temple or any any other place. Jesus paid the price, according to Isaiah 53, for you to be able to secure health in your body and appropriate by faith God's ability to touch you and bless you without any need of a particular act or deed on your part. We don't want you ever to believe that God saves you or God heals you or God blesses you on the basis of works. God does what he wants to do on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus. And he is a wonderful savior when he does that. Also, according to first Corinthians 12, looking at verse nine, and then also Hebrews two and four gifts of healings. Occasionally, God will supply special grace to a man or woman who are gifted in ministering to the sick. We know that Jesus appointed and anointed 12. We also know that he also anointed and appointed 70 others. We also know that there was an occasion where there was one man who was not part of the 12 or the 70, but who was praying for the sick and people were being healed. And they went to Jesus and said, look, this man isn't part of our group. I think we ought to let us shut him down. And the Lord said, he that's not against us is for us. When we come over into the book of Acts, then we notice that the continual abiding presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, hasn't changed God's will for you. God's will for you is that you live a wonderful and happy life. Even the psalmist said that by strength of days, the average individual lives 70 to 80 years, maybe a little bit longer. So we want you to understand That from time to time, God raises up individuals who have a special ministry in praying for the sick. Now, there are too many names I could call in the history of the church to to, to deal with this. But to mention one who came out of Nebraska many, many decades ago, over a century ago, F.F. Bosworth. He was born up there in Utica. 
back, I believe, in the late 1870s. And F.F. Bosworth went on to become a great campaign preacher around America and Canada, holding meetings of upwards of 20,000 people when people weren't even in auditoriums of that size. But yet they were specially building them for him. And he wrote a very popular book years ago called Christ the Healer, which I think even today is still in circulation, probably in its 27th printing or something like that. But thousands of people were healed, the blind, the deaf, the cripples. There's another gentleman, Charles S. Price, who traveled America. He was from California, but he, he lived from 1887 until 1947. Tremendously powerful ministry. Uh, a very erudite man. He was somewhat of an order, order, had been a lawyer briefly, but he went to an Amy Simple McPherson crusade there in Angelus Temple, and God changed his life. He had been a congregational minister for over 20 years, had been a liberal preacher for a long time, and God brought him out of a backslidden condition into a fiery, fervent faith, and he began to pray for the sick, and the Lord moved mightily. There was a gentleman over in England named Fred Squire. I even brought me a little a uh, little clip it, a clip here that I wanted to, to read uh, for you because this was way back in 1934. Now, just because I'm reading this from back then, I don't want you to think God stopped doing this back then. God still heals and does wonderful, wonderful things. And we could share our own testimonies, but I want you to hear about Fred Squire's report of being in Bristol, England. I preached there many a time. Bristol, England. It says the Lord is working in a wonderful way here, although there's been a few difficulties to overcome that over 1,250 people have gathered. More than 200 people have become Christian. He said there was one woman, Mrs. Bennett, who came with a terrible skin disease and she was deaf in both ears and she is now perfectly healed after 32 years. He then goes on and gives some names and addresses. Joan Cook of High Street, Bristol, no, apartment number seven or house number seven, was blind in her left eye for seven years. Now perfectly healed, tested by her parents and clinic. Mrs. Evans, 31 uh, uh, Lane, Ashley Road, she was blind in her right eye for 30 years. Now she can see perfectly. Mrs. Williams, 18 Hatherley Road, Bishopston, left eye opened after six unsuccessful operations. And then it says Ernest Smith of three, number three, Clifton Road, born blind in his left eye, received perfect sight given him in the embassy cinema on Sunday night. Now the list continues. I just read the ones that were blind. There were people that were crippled. There were people with other issues, but God by his power met their need. How did it occur? He preached the gospel. He put a chair on the stage, asked the people to come sit down. He laid his hands upon the people in front of thousands, in front of hundreds and prayed and the miracle took place. Was everybody healed that he prayed for? No. But there were scores of them that were healed. And the ones that were healed 
are the ones that are recorded right here. That doesn't make God a bad God. That doesn't make him a charlatan. You can preach the gospel to 150 people and 50 may get saved. But just because 100 refuse or 100 are not saved or 100 do not experience salvation, that does not mean God doesn't love them or God doesn't care. I've told people plenty of times when it comes to praying for the sick, delay doesn't mean denial and not now doesn't mean not ever. We just simply trust God and keep on praying. Don't ever give up, but always believe God. One other thing I'd like to add here. Sometimes a special act of grace occurs. Now, what is that? That's like in John chapter five, and we can turn there and we'll quickly skim a couple of verses. John chapter five, here's a man at the pool of Bethesda. I've been to this place many a time in my life. Chapter five, verse one, this was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up there. And it says in verse two, there were five porches in this place along with the pool. In verse three, there was a great multitude of impotent folk. Look at all of these different problems. Blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water and for the angel to come down at a certain season. So this was a widely known event that occurred when the angel descended. Quite naturally, the ones in verse three are there at the pool. And according to verse four, the first one in is made whole. So imagine the competitive spirit that was present at this place. I've only been to one location in my life that reminds me of that. And that was years ago. I had to go to Sanaa, Yemen, over on the Arabian continent. And one day I was down in the old city walking through the Muslim quarters and they had an area where there also was a pool. I had never in my life seen so many sick people. There were people that didn't have eyes. There were people that only had one leg. There was every kind of sickness you can think of. I even saw homeless women with their kids had ropes around their necks and the kids were tied to some stone or some tree so they couldn't run off. The stench from the sickness was terrible because when people are infirmed like that, They can't go to a restroom. Even if they could go, there were no public restrooms in the old part of the city of Sanaa. It's like going back in time. This was 30 years ago, but it was like going back in time, 1500 years, just to look at all of this. And this is the scenario that Jesus encountered here in verse three. And in verse five, there's a man that had been there 38 years. Imagine how long of a time that is. Take a 38-year period out of your life right now and think back to what you were doing back then. And here you are now. 38 years he had been in this condition. Someone who's afflicted to that degree really doesn't care what anybody else thinks when they're sitting there waiting for the moving of the water. Somebody else might say, well, you need to give up being superstitious and just leave that alone. Well, the one that's 38 and crippled knows that the one telling him to leave it alone is able to get up and walk away. But when you've been like that for 38 years, you want to be free. And that's why I never mock anyone who has a physical problem and is asking people to pray for them. We should consider it a special blessing 
to be able to pray for people who are asking for prayer. Verse six, Jesus saw the man lying there and knew he had been there a long time and asked him, do you want to be made whole? How do you like a question like that? (laughs) You know, I've been here a long time and you're going to ask me, do I want to be made whole? Of course I do. But notice what the man said. I don't have a man to help me. He didn't know who Jesus was, but our answers very, very often resemble his. We say we don't have the resources to get healed. And Jesus is trying to show him, you only need to look to me. And the reason I say this is a special grace, because of all the infirm people here, Jesus only came to this man. It does not mean Jesus didn't love the others. But to this man, he came. This man here. This happens more often than we recognize when Jesus comes to someone like in verse seven and eight and says, rise, take up your bed and walk. It really does. I want to finish with this story. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I'm not even sure if I've ever told it, but it's certainly one of the most dramatic stories of healing I've ever heard in my life. There was a lady named Betty Baxter and she lived many decades ago in Fairmont, Minnesota. When she was born, she had a crooked spine, and as she developed, she had one problem after another. By the time she was nine years of age, she had spent so much time in the doctor's office, they said there wasn't much they could do for her. She was so bad that her her uh, spine pushed in to the the organs up here so that her heart was out of place. Her ribs were never ever healed. They were cracked and twisted. She had knots the size of a goose egg all up and down her spine. She had never in her life taken a walk. When she was 15 years of age, not able to even sit up in a chair because her her bones were so crooked that her face was down on her knees and she could only look up this way. Now, can you imagine that kind of an existence to go from your infancy to being 15 years of age and your head is on your lap and you have problems breathing, you develop St. Vitus dance, which is a nervous condition, and you have one problem after another. Well, when she was 15 years of age, she said that even if they took her when she was bent over and put her on her legs and she was looking down at the ground, she said she was no taller than her five-year-old little brother. It's amazing. And it's, it's, it's even more amazing to hear her as she tells the story with, with all, all kinds of vividness. But, but she had a mother that was not full gospel, but was a lady who had become so discouraged by the doctor saying, if I were you, I wouldn't bring her here again. There's nothing else we can do for her. Just prepare. She's going to die. And when it happens, you'll know it. Well, this young lady's mom, she found in the Bible those verses where it said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And she came in and told her daughter, she said, look, honey, I think I may have found the answer. We're going to pray and we're just going to ask Jesus if he will help you. 
Well, this this little girl, she years ago had become a Christian. She she loved the Lord despite the burdensome afflictions of bad health. She did love Jesus, but she she one day got to where her fingernails were turning black and she wasn't able to breathe the right way. They called for the doctor. The doctor came and said, just like I told you, she's getting ready to die. She begged her parents, try to put me in the little rocking chair so that and prop the pillows up on, on every side of me and just leave me there. And the parents thought she was asking to be left alone so that she could die. All she wanted to do was talk to Jesus. And she poured her heart out to Lord, to the Lord and said, Jesus, I, I just I just want to know what it's like to walk. I just want to know what it's like to have a day where I don't struggle to breathe, where I can be healed. She says, not me, she says, Jesus spoke to her heart. She said it was for her. She thought it was an audible voice, but she said Jesus spoke to her heart and said, August 24th. Sunday at 3 p.m., I'm coming to heal you. Now, that's what she said. That's her testimony. This was about maybe six or seven days before the 24th came that, that particular year. Well, her mother came into the room and asked her why she wanted to be alone with God. And she said, Mother, I, I just believe God's going to heal me. And uh, no, the mother said to the daughter, I believe God's going to heal you. And the daughter said, when? And the mother said, uh, the Lord told me August 24th, Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m., he's going to make you whole. Well, the little girl started crying because she knew that she hadn't told her mother, but her mother must have heard it from God. Well, her dad, he, he didn't believe it. He thought... That, you know, maybe she was just, you know, her mind was leaving and going away or something like that. That She she asked her mom, could you please go to the nearest store, buy me a beautiful light blue dress. I'd like to put that dress on and wear it to church Sunday night after Jesus heals me. Now, here's a little girl crippled up, twisted up, can't even hold her head up. People have to get down to her level just to look her in the face. And she's saying, bring me a beautiful dress. And that's exactly what mama did. Well, the day came, and sure enough, 15 minutes before three, Mama and her little brother came in there, and they sat there, and the little girl said, I want us to be praying when Jesus comes. They started praying. They started singing. They said at three o'clock, there was a wind that blew in that room that even moved the curtains. So they could, they could sense it had to be the presence of God. She said as she was there in that twisted condition with her head contorted, she looked and she saw what appeared to be a cloud. She said out of that cloud stepped Jesus. And said Jesus walked over to where she was and said, I'm Jesus. I've come to heal you. I love you. And I want you to tell this story wherever you go and let people know that I'm going to be coming soon. She said she, she tried to reach out to touch him. And she said she, she tried and tried and tried. Her strength gave out. She said, and she said she couldn't understand why Jesus wasn't taking a step towards her. And she realized afterwards that the Lord was trying to let her know that your strength is not going to be able to do this. It's going to be by my ability. She walked. He walked over there to her. Her mother and little brother were in the room. He laid both his hands on her back. 
They said you could see those big knots on her spine disappear. You could hear the bones begin to crack as they begin to snap back in place. She said in 10 seconds time, she was standing up on her feet, praising God, totally healed every organ back in place where it's supposed to be. And this woman traveled throughout all of America, giving her story in the meetings with Don Gossett, or Roberts and others. What a remarkable story that God would come to a little girl's house and make her totally, totally well. Folks, don't ever think God doesn't care about you. He cares about you. He cares about me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray for my brother or sister that's watching right now, that's listening to this audio. I pray that you minister your health to them now. Let your words be life and health to them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Praise God, praise God.